You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 13th. And I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thank you so much for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On rooms. Again, this is Nash Walker, writer at Twins Daily, lifelong Twins fan, bringing you five days a week coverage on the Minnesota Twins. As we move through mid-October, we're getting into the championship series. Dodgers-Giants going to play a game five Thursday night. Houston going to play Boston in the American League Championship Series and uh, awaiting the Dodgers or Giants, the Atlanta Braves, taking down the Milwaukee Brewers. Just couldn't get their offense going this series. You know, they came in with that amazing rotation, the big three of Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. The truth is you got to score runs. You got to be able to score. And I think playing to your strengths in October, Milwaukee did, but you still you got to do some more. You know, you need a little bit more than that. And also, tough decision in game two or game three for Craig Council. Pulled Freddie Peralta, ended up coming back to bite him. But uh, with the National League, it's difficult. If you have a really great top three in the American League, I think it's a little bit different, but you have those decisions to make. If your lineup can't produce runs, you got to make those calls pinch hitting for your pitcher, you know, in big spots. If, if you feel like it's the only spot you'll get in the fourth or the fifth inning, when your offense just hasn't gotten it done, sometimes you have to pinch hit in those spots and take out your starter and risk, uh, you know, risk your bullpen getting beat around a little bit. But really fun series again. Uh, it's been a fun postseason thus far. It's fun to watch the White Sox lose, and I really encourage you to listen to yesterday's episode talking about payroll, talking about this offseason. We've kind of had two primers here in a row getting an early look at the free agent market and also talking about what the Twins could do on the free agent market if they got a little aggressive with payroll. And I'm not talking about crazy numbers, but yesterday I just uh, you know, gave a little outline of who they could get, what they could do if they pushed up their payroll to the $140, $145 million range, how much better they could be going into 2022. And if the argument is we're focused on 2023, well, if you're signing Trevor Story or you're signing Marcus Stroman or you're signing Robbie Ray to a four or five year deal, they are in the second year of that deal in 2023. They do not just disappear. It's a little bit different with a one-year deal. You know, if you're signing Javier Baez to a one-year deal, that's obviously investing and focused on 2022. But they could offer him a qualifying offer as well, I believe, unless the Mets are going to, which they probably will, actually. So Baez will not qualify for that. But the CBA talks definitely impact the offseason, how quickly it moves, and how quickly the Twins will be able to sign free agents. But I just talked yesterday at length about what they could do in a mock, kind of a mock offseason. We're going to have a ton of mock offseasons, uh, what the Twins could do to improve. But we're going to continue our season in review today, and I've enjoyed doing this thus far, kind of reflecting back on how I felt at certain points. Definitely when I look back at April, forgetting what some of that felt like. When I look back at May, forgetting at what some of that felt like. I was in school. I was a junior at that time at Mizzou. Now I'm a senior at Mizzou. It, it shows you how long the season is, and I'm back here now in October after the season. But I look back at April and May before the summer, and it's funny to think that I was I was right here talking about the Twins' futility and how that felt at that time. But we'll continue on with trade season around this time, how it felt, what the vibes were, uh, and what the Twins did on the field as well. But I encourage you again to listen to the episode last night, listen to the free agent primer from two nights ago, 
If there's anything ever that you want me to talk about, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can follow me on Twitter at NashWalker9. You can follow the show at Lockdown Twins. Anything, anytime. Uh, I've said it a lot, but report cards are coming. We're going to do report cards probably starting tomorrow with arbitration numbers, and then we'll probably start with our report cards Thursday. Uh, we also have free agent primers coming. Cannot wait for free agent primers. Really looking forward to it. Breaking down all the top free agents. Breaking down. I mean, last year we talked about Garrett Richards, who ended up signing with the White Sox or with the uh, Red Sox, and pitched well for a little bit, and then after the the uh, sticky stuff. Cracked down, didn't, and then was pretty solid out of the bullpen, I think, down the stretch. But we talked about him, and uh, we talked about guys way down the list who the Twins could potentially target. And they might not get their their own full episode, but they'll get talk. And my promise last offseason, my promise this offseason, there will not be a free agent that the Twins sign or a tra- even a player they get in a trade that you've not heard about. And I open myself up there because they could trade for some uh, you know, minor league reliever that you've never heard of on the show or otherwise, and I've never heard of. And, um, you know, in that case, the promise is broken. But substantial moves. Let's say uh, uh, signing over $2 million and a trade where they take on salary over $2 million. Uh, I think you will have heard about those guys. You're going to hear about guys that are not even up for arbitration yet that I think the Twins, who I think the Twins should trade for. Guys like Max Meyer or Edward Cabrera from Miami. There's a lot of guys. Uh, we're going to discuss this offseason as Twins targets with that focus, of course. And I think with the focus of starting pitching, I think in recent offseasons last year, I did talk a lot about the shortstop situation and how the Twins could get creative and move Jorge Polanco to second. We talked a lot about the shortstops. We talked about starters too. But this offseason, without a doubt, the main focus is starting pitching. But as I've said and will continue to say, the number one storyline is not replenishing the starting rotation the the number one storyline is what the twins do with their very best player so with all of this in mind just know that this is a big offseason just know that this is going to be an active offseason there's so much going on here with the twins so many decisions to make not just for 2022 but we're talking 2023 2024 2025 even the late 2020s could be impacted by decisions they make this offseason in trades for agency or otherwise so it's a vital one Definitely more than last year. Last year's offseason kind of sucked, not just the signings, but the pace of it because of COVID and everything. It just was a stalemate until the end, basically, especially for the Twins. I think this offseason will be better. I think it's more interesting for the Twins. They're they're less filling holes on an already good team than they are trying to find actual impactful players that can improve them. And, and I'm not saying that wasn't their intention last year. That, that definitely was their intention in signing Andleton Simmons and, and Matt Shoemaker and you know Jay Happ and those guys, Alexander Coleman, was to improve. But I, it was a lot about depth too. It was a lot about depth in the rotation, and, and that's important. But we're focused on quality over quantity this offseason. That will be my number one saying, quality over quantity. Please, not too many uh, $1 and $2 million signings. Let's let's have some quality. Let's invest and make this team better. They got a lot of work to do. Let's uh, continue our season in review after the break. This episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find lockdown hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Green Room app now. 
now currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you all on the app. I'll be sure to let you know once Locked on Twins goes live. Download the Green Room app today. Green Room is changing the way we talk sports. Again, go download the free Green Room app now, available on all iOS devices. Thank you for making Locked On Twins your very first listen. We are free and available on all podcast platforms. So we're looking at trade season, and if you've missed our, our prior season and reviews, we've had fun. I mean, we looked at uh, the Twins in a stretch where they lost 13 out of 15 games in April. It might have been late April into May. Uh, we looked at a stretch where they got hot for a little bit, and it looked like they were finally going to turn it around. We looked at a stretch that included my number one moment of the season. Speaking of, go to twinsdaily.com, read the three moments, the three best moments of the Twins season article I wrote. Also, a video attached if you want to see me talk about it. Um, but we talked about the the best moment of the season, which was the Yankee game at Target Field where the Twins walked off for Elvis Chapman. Best moment I've ever seen at Target Field since the stadium opened that I've been at live. It was unbelievable it was an unbelievable atmosphere and it was an unbelievable moment but it was also really bittersweet and we kind of talked about that got into the emotional side of it but we're in trade season already as we continue this and we get into mid-october wrapping up our season in review looking at these chunks of games these 15 20 game 30 game chunks uh, and this is trade season and and this was the most active season of the year just because we didn't know what was going to happen was byron buxton gone was nelson cruz gone was jose barrios gone was josh donaldson gone kenta maeda everyone was on the table it was fascinating what would the twins do they ended up trading cruz barrios and hap out of uh, everyone so it didn't end up being like a super busy trade season but the expected the expected trade nelson cruz happened earlier than the jose barrios trade which happened on deadline day early on deadline day on july 30th nelson cruz is traded july 22nd the twins hosted the angels that night at target field and they lost three to two in their first four games without nelson cruz the twins scored 10 runs total so you're thinking we got all of august and all of september left this offense is going to be uh it's going to be bad without nelson cruz it's going to be hard to watch at least or or more of a trudge Uh, i remember nick nelson tweeted i think he tweeted the word trudge for the end of the season that's what it felt like early on and the twins went two and six in eight games after nelson cruz was traded including that day when he was traded to the tampa bay rays and at this point i mean we're excited about joe ryan excited about drew stratman we hadn't been able to see them yet pitch for the twins even in the system and the excitement and the disconnection i think from the trade and the sadness of the trade happened as ryan made his debut for the saints and of course as he made his debut for the twins but the twins had this brutal 30-game stretch, brutal. They had three against Detroit. That was the easiest, and Detroit was playing really good ball at this point. They were three at St. Louis, and this is before the Cardinals went on that insane run, but still, they were a playoff team, good team, on the road in St. Louis. Not an easy task. Two at Cincinnati. Cincy at this time, I think, still in a wild-card spot. Great offense, Jesse Winker, Nicholas Castellanos. Luis Castillo is kind of getting into it out of the rotation. Wade Miley was pitching very well. I think he ended up getting hurt. Then they had four at Houston. You see how good Houston is. And they were without some of their bats in this series, but four at Houston against Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, Framber Valdez. I think Jose Arquiti pitched in that series as well. Really tough. Then they had three at home against the division-leading White Sox, who'd pummeled them all year. Then they had three at home against the Tampa Bay Rays, dominated the American League East, uh, looked like a force in the first game of the playoffs, and then ended up getting uh, beat by the Red Sox three in a row. They lost in four. But at this time, too, the Rays, whew, super tough with Nelson Cruz now. 
Then three versus Cleveland. I guess this is probably the, the lightest little series here, but still Cleveland, you know, good starting pitching. They ended up finish, finishing second in the, in the Central as a poor division, but they finished second. Three at the Yankees, three at Boston, and then three versus Milwaukee, the NL Central champs. Uh, Yankees in there ended up making the wild card game, of course, going to Fenway. Twins went from Yankee Stadium to Fenway in six games. Just unbelievable. You would think they're going to get destroyed, but they really had nothing to lose. And I think there is something to be said about no pressure. They really didn't have a lot of pressure at this point in the season. But credit where credit's due, they went 15-15 and 15 over that stretch. Their pitching had a 5.33 ERA, and I think that's skewed because they, they had some blowout losses. Certainly, I know they did against Tampa, and I think they did in the first game against Chicago in this stretch too. They gave up like 10 or 12 runs. So the ERA is skewed. It matters if you win. It doesn't always matter you know, how many runs you give up in a loss. But they were exactly 500 over that stretch, which is uh, incredible. They hit 243, 330 on base, slugged 425. You might be thinking, like, how is that incredible to go 15 and 15? Well, this is after you know they traded Nelson Cruz, and in the midst of this, they traded Jose Barrios as well. So this is a, a stretch in time that was kind of riddled with negativity. It was riddled with losing your best starting pitcher and your best hitter. Uh, right around the same time within like a week and a half of each other and just uh, uncertainty that lied ahead against uh, a bunch of good teams in a row and so that's that's why it's kind of impressive and I remember this is the best by far the best stretch that they had all year because they played those competitive teams so so well at this time they just played really really well against those teams and especially this run when they went to Houston for four they won three out of four then they hosted the White Sox and yes they lost 11 to one so they did lose uh, big time in that first game I remember I was I made a very uh, sad video after that and on lockdown uh, talking about how embarrassing it was that the Twins got beat so bad by the White Sox so a year and how wrong I was about the White Sox and the Twins then they ended up winning the next two so they won that series and then they beat the Rays two out of three walked off uh, I believe this is when Jorge Polanco had two walk-off wins in a row and then a third walk-off win. Yes, three out of four walk-off wins from Jorge Polanco. Uh, in the middle, they lost to Cleveland. But a great stretch, fun stretch in a time when we needed it. In the dog days of summer, uh, they played really well, and that was definitely their best stretch of the season. From July 31st to August 18th, they went 11-6 and six in 17 games, and that included series wins against Houston, Chicago, Tampa Bay, and Cleveland. Let's talk more about this stretch, uh, the Barrios trade, the Cruz trade, the uh, kind of vibe at this time and what it meant moving forward for the Twins after the break. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar has 12 original flavors, but they've added six new flavors as well. And these improved Built Bars are even deliciouser. Plus, Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, full of protein, full of fiber, and great for a keto diet. And the peanut butter bar, only five grams of net carbs for a type one diabetic like me. That is huge. Plus, right now, Bill Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. So, listen closely. You get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you also get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. My favorite flavors include the coconut almond, the peanut butter, the banana bread. Use promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. So they traded Jose Barrios on July 30th, and they went 30-29 and 29 after. And I think it, that includes there's two games where they went 1-1 one one at the end of July. So 
that's where that record comes from, 31-30 and 30 in the last two months of the season. 30-29 and 29 after they traded Jose Barrios. In the um, midst of this stretch, Byron Buxton returned on August 27th against Milwaukee. Comes off the injured list, started 6 for 49. He hit 122 with 16 strikeouts, two walks off the injured list. So really not a good start for Byron Buxton. But there was excitement around this time too along with just enjoying it while it lasted because you started to look toward the finish line. And early in the season, it felt like we'd never get there. It felt like the season would never end. It would just be uh, be really tough, and we were going to watch the White Sox win it and potentially make a run into October. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It's always worse. The anticipation is always worse than the actual thing. I remember sitting at Target Field, our Twins Daily uh, stakeout. I was talking to Matthew Trueblood, who's been on the show couple times we're gonna have Matt on this offseason I hope I hope I know he's kind of uh taking a step away from baseball but him and I were talking and um he said you know it's been a, we were talking about how tough of a year it had been for the twins or whatever and he said what could make it worse is like the White Sox are gonna get healthy they're gonna get Luis Robert back they're gonna get Aloy Jimenez back Yasmani Grandal is gonna come back from a knee injury and they're gonna be healthy like they're they're gonna be all systems going to the postseason and they were and so that anticipation I remember that feeling of how it would feel. And Justin Morneau said it on the broadcast uh, shortly before the season ended. The worst thing was watching the White Sox win the division in 2005. Not even close for a fan than a player, you know, competing against those guys 19 times a year and, and watching them take the division and win the World Series. But that would suck. I mean, that thought and that anticipation sucked to think about the the prospects of like the White Sox or even the Yankees or another team going on and, and winning in October and just taking advantage of how bad the Twins had been that year. Matt also said to me, like, the White Sox really benefited from the Twins being bad. So at that point, early in the season, April and May, and that, yeah, he said that, but it, it made a lot it, it made a lot more sense at the, you know, in that moment of they didn't have any competition is what he meant. Like, they really didn't have anyone pushing them in the division because the Twins were so bad. Because what we expected is a two-team race. Like, I looked at Cleveland as an 80-81 win team. That's about what they were, I think, what they ended up as in second place. And the Twins and and White Sox would be duking it out in a two-horse race. Well, if one of the horses drops, uh, that leaves one horse that's going to run away with it. And that's that's definitely what happened this year. But at that time, in May, in April, felt like it would never end. And I'm not saying that as an I wanted it to end. It just felt like you looked ahead and it was like just – the anticipation of what could be was a lot worse than what it ended up being, and I, I just enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed watching the games, and especially into late August and September when we saw Joe Ryan make his debut on September 1st. Exciting things were happening a little bit more than they had been for a lot of the season, and the Twins did bounce back after Nelson Cruz was traded. They bounced back after Jose Barrios was traded, and they bounced back after the Cruz trade You know, from a tough stretch immediately following the Cruz trade. So that was great. The numbers don't really back it up. Like I said, the team ERA, and they didn't like knock the cover off the ball, but they found ways to win. They held some leads that they didn't hold earlier in the year, and they avoided embarrassment ultimately down the stretch by avoiding 90 losses. And and moral victories, say what you will about them, it's nice that they did that. It's, It's nice that they did that for fans who continue to watch and fans who continue to read about them. At least they were reading about more wins than losses later in the year. I also think a very important thing moving forward is new leaders were established, offensive leaders. I think Taylor Rogers is certainly a leader in the bullpen. I think Tyler Duffy's a leader. Uh, Jose Brios was a leader in the rotation, and Nelson Cruz was the leader of leaders of the entire Minnesota Twins ball club. Uh, but they established new leaders, I think, in Jorge Polanco and Josh Donaldson. I think with Cruz and with his mantra and just the way that he was viewed for three years, he was that guy that they looked to. If it was going to be someone, you know, whether they, and this is, this is important. Like 
the picture that they put on the screen when you're watching a game, like if they're previewing a playoff series or they're previewing a series, who are they putting on? Nelson Cruz, not just because he's the best hitter, but also because he's the leader of the club and beloved. Like I looked back at a Jeff Passan tweet of when Nelson re-signed last offseason, and he tweeted, uh, Cruz returns to where he's beloved in Minnesota or something like that. And I was like, yeah, he's he's so loved, and he's such a leader in the clubhouse that when he leaves, it's really important to establish new leadership. Like, you need guys to step up. The reason I think it was Jorge Polanco and Josh Donaldson, and I'm not in the clubhouse, so I'm just going off what I see, but you see these two in the press game, in the postgame pressers, talking about players, talking about the game, talking about the team. Donaldson stepped up and, and said, you know what, I came here, I signed on to be a Minnesota Twin. He said this later in the year as well. Um, you know, I signed up for this, and, and I'm a Twin, and I'm, I want to win here. And I think these two... Polanco on the field, Donaldson on the field too, both of them established leadership in the lineup, and I think they established leadership in the wake of Nelson Cruz after he was traded. I think that that was important, and it's important for 2022 because they still need that veteran leadership so much, impossible to quantify, but you cannot deny that Nelson Cruz coming in in 2019, not just what he did with his bat, but what he brought for Miguel Sano, what he brought for that Minnesota Twins offense, and just for the whole team was so impactful and really helped them in 2019 and 2020. It was too much to overcome in 2021. Really helped them in 2019 and 2020. There's no question about it. So you need to reestablish that in some way. And there's shoes that you can't really fill because Nelson Cruz is is going to go down as, you know, a, a, I think of him as a franchise player, like I said yesterday. Even though he was only a twin for three years, that's how big his impact was. So it's important to fill that. I think Polo and, and JD did at the end, and, and I hope that carries over into 2022. Thank you so much for listening today. Have a great day. Go Twins. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to start report cards. We're going to talk ARB numbers, arbitration season numbers, uh, early projections. Can't wait. Join me then. Follow me on Twitter at NashWalker9. Follow the show at Twins. Thank you so much, and go Twins.